Thank you for tuning into the Monocle Dynasty Podcast, where we keep an eye on Dynasty football. Your hosts dive deep on players, rankings, strategies, and much more. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Monocle Dynasty. And now, here's your host. Welcome back to the Monocle, where we keep an eye on Dynasty football. I'm your host, Dynasty Coach A, and tonight we have another grudge match. This one was actually specifically asked for by my guest, Nathan GN. Nate, we've been going back and forth about Spiller, um, and and he he's a he's a big fan, big fan. Uh, he's he's heard my hate and my hate talk on him and everything, and, and he uh, he couldn't take it anymore. So he called me out, and so here we are. We're we're gonna be grudging tonight. Uh, sorry, we got started a little bit late. I was putting my daughter to bed. I got, I honestly got carried away watching uh, draft day, and then I looked up and saw the time, and I was like, "Gosh, shit!" So, <laughs> uh, first and foremost, how are you doing, Nate? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Glad that I can uh, get my get my spiller uh, takes out there into the public, and glad to uh, correct you where you're wrong here. So, <laughs> I love it. Uh, so, yeah, I you know, like I said. Uh, you, you guys, have, uh, if you've seen me on Twitter, if you've seen some of my posts, I've done a lot of the the comps and uh, and things, and it's all pre-draft capital. You know, obviously we don't have draft capital until tomorrow, um, and I'm assuming we won't have dra- draft capital for Spiller tomorrow, so <laughs> uh, that that won't change much. But then, you know, the the next couple of days are going to be very exciting. But if you've seen some of those comps, these, you know, I'm not the highest on Spiller. Uh, now, I I know you also had a post saying if you know if you don't have him in your top five, you're kind of telling on yourself, and I agree because I really think that it's kind of crazy, you know. As much as I'm against maybe where you have him, <laughs> I you know I definitely think it's crazy to have have him out of your top five because I mean, dude's gonna get you know I don't know fifty. 75 like top 75 draft capital something like that top 50 i think is where i haven't projected like 56 or whatever it is so unless he just completely falls out of the you know the into the fourth or fifth round i don't know how you can not have him in your top five but uh you know we're we're talking about the difference here from like top one top two three four you know like that kind of thing so we're not going to get too crazy here (laughs) no Yeah, I I was looking at DraftKings today, and they had the over-under at 71.5 on his draft position, so early third, I guess, is about where he's expected. Um, so to me, anywhere, you know, late second, early third, somewhere in there, I, I figure is probably where he's going to end up. Uh, really just depends who wants to take a swing on a running back. Exactly, and I mean, that's basically where a lot, if not most, running backs are going nowadays, you know, like you get the the best ones in the early to mid-second, and then, you, you know, you go, you, you get the good ones, you know, later on, a little bit later on in like the early third or, you know, whenever. Um, it's it's when you start getting into the fourth and fifth rounds and things like that, that's when you have to start worrying about it a little bit. Uh, <laughs> Toronto Dave wants to know who gets drafted for uh, Spiller or David Bell. That's probably a good question, and they yeah. probably go like, you know, pretty close to each other but I, I'd, I'd guess Spiller probably goes ahead um you know like I like I said I think it'd be pretty close but uh you know like I like I said I have them I haven't updated in um, probably like a week so that that might be why Spiller might have dropped a little bit more but I had Spiller in like the 50s um yeah. so it, it definitely could be that he's dropped a little bit more since then yeah I think between Spiller and Bell is actually probably going to be an interesting one I would guess that both will be um round three guys um, but I would say that Spiller's got a better chance to be in the top end where Bell might slip even towards the back half of that round. 
Yeah, I do. I really do think that they'll both be third round picks at this point. Um, that, that makes a lot of sense. And I mean, I'm hoping for Bell's sake because people have talked about him dropping the fifth round and, and all that kind of stuff. But um, but we're being too nice right now. You know, like like I said, you called me out. You know, this time it's personal. Yeah. Let's get down to grudging. Uh, <laughs> so so tell me all about why you love Isaiah Spiller so much, even though he wasn't even the best running back on his own team uh, in this final final year in college. Uh, what makes you, uh, cause I, I don't think you do anymore and I, I don't want to put words in your mouth. So, I'll, uh, but I, I think you had him pretty high at, at least at some point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So currently, uh, before we have, um, all the draft information, obviously here, uh, I have Isaiah Spiller as my RB two in the class behind Brees Hall, um, based on my film evaluation alone, which is kind of like my starting point, I guess you would say for all of my, uh, rookie evaluation, I had Spiller as my top running back in the class. Uh, when I first looked at him and Hall and Walker, uh, that would be, I don't know, it was probably February when I was doing all that. Um, so I really liked Spiller's tape. I I thought that uh, in, a, in a kind of lackluster class, um, Spiller really popped for me just based on vision, first and foremost. He has a lot of patience, um, sometimes a little too patient, um, especially with the O-line he had there. And you could see him against Alabama. Sometimes these Alabama guys are just tearing through that line and he's dancing behind the line. A lot of times he makes the first guy miss, but then the second or the third guy is right behind them. Um, now, is it patience or is it just being slow? Um, cause you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's definitely, uh, one of the things you have to talk about with Spiller is that 40 time, uh, 4.63, I think is the one that went around the most after his pro day. Um, and I do actually have an argument for that because like we talked about, we're expecting Spiller in the third round. Um, so I went back and I pulled all the, all the running backs for the last five years who went in the top three rounds, uh, and had 4.6 speed or worse. And this is the list here. So we got Clyde Edwards-Solaire, Zach Moss, Alexander Madison, David Montgomery, Devin Singletary, Ronald Jones, James Conner, and Kareem Hunt. Now, to me, that's a lot of usable backs. Like, who's the bust on that list? Zach Moss, I guess, at this point. Alexander Madison was kind of drafted to a weird spot behind Dalvin Cook, but when he's gotten the opportunity, he's actually produced. Um, Devin Singletary had a good year this past year. Um you could say Ronald Jones, he got buried behind Leonard Fournette. Arians didn't want to use him. When he's gotten the carries, he's been a decent uh, first and second down running back. Obviously, the pass catching not there for him. James Conner just had a huge year. Kareem Hunt, he's had multiple uh, top 24 years, if not top 12 years. I'd have to look at that on uh, on FF Spaceman's database again. But <laughs> um, there's, And I know you like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, so you can't start with me there. Um, but this is a good list of it's a good list of backs. If you're if you're a four point six speed, but you still get drafted in the first three rounds, I think it sets a good precedent um, that the teams were willing to look past the the speed issue and they still had a plan and expected that you'd be able to get able contributor. Um, so I think Spiller's going to fall into that category where, and I'm not saying that Spiller's going to be uh, an amazing running back. I don't think we have that amazing running back. I know. People are trying to elevate Brees Hall to that level, and I'm not quite there. Um, so I think Spiller's going to be a fine guy. I think like that David Montgomery category, if he goes to a spot where he is able to take over a full workload, I think that's a realistic outcome for Spiller. 
Yeah, and and I'm I've never really been big on forty times for running backs. I mean, it obviously it serves a purpose. Um, you know, I, now I do get more into like the weight adjusted speed score. Um, I think that's a much better way to look at things because you know you can't compare two backs that you know are forty pound difference and run the same 40 time and be like, oh, well, you know, they did the same thing. It's like, no, you know. So, you know, we know Spiller. I, I think, what is he, 217 pounds? Is that right? Um, yeah, I'm looking something at around there. database here now. 217 is what he's got him at. Okay, yeah, so he's 217 pounds, uh, right around six foot, I believe. And, and I mean, for weight-adjusted speed score, it's it's not terrible. You know, it's, it's not maybe perfect or ideal or anything like that, but it's not terrible. And once again, like this was never meant to be, uh, he's terrible. Like Isaiah Spiller's terrible, never draft him or anything like that. Because I mean, a, like I've been on a pretty big kick about draft capital. doesn't necessarily matter for like QBs and wide receivers. Like I, I just want the talent. I don't care where they get drafted. I just want the talent. But with, um, with running backs, like, you're not going to get the opportunity unless you get the draft capital. So if he gets that third round draft capital, it's going to make a huge difference. So that's why we're just talking about like moving him around in the top five, not moving him out of the top five here. So um, I think the weight adjusted speed score is fine. You know, like when you look at uh, like a Javante Williams from last year, he didn't have necessarily a, a great 40 time. Now it was better than Spillers, uh, but you know, he, he didn't have a, a great thing, but we look at other things like the weight adjusted speed score, burst score, you know, things like that, which I, I'll have, I have something on his burst score a little bit later, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I guess like just starting out, you know, cause I, I got into like the Debbie prospecting and stuff like that this, uh, this past year. And I noticed that Devin a cane, a chain, a cane. I have no idea. I I call him a cane. Um, I, everyone else calls him a chain, but I, I, uh, he like he really blew up in the model, and like, and I was like, man, this guy's exciting. And so, of course, Spiller kept falling and falling, and falling for me. And I'm like, well, not to not say you can't have two teammates. Look at Michael Carter and Javante Williams from last year, but uh, it was just like, well, you know, one's better than the other. And then, of course, you know, Spiller comes out and people in the beginning were talking about him being the RB one overall uh, over Brees Hall, over Kenneth Walker and whoever else. And, uh, you know, I was just like, man, I'm, I'm not about that life. And then, you know, the combine happened and everyone kind of calmed down and, and everyone kind of came back to me like, OK, now Brees is number one and so on and so forth. But, um, you know, like it, I guess it's more narrative or whatever, but it, it's just like him not even necessarily being the best running back on his own team uh, kind of, uh, you know, kind of freaked me out. And Devin Kane was a sophomore to him being a junior. And then uh, Devin Kane is also 185 pounds. So it's not like it's not like he's this uh, massive sophomore, like stud running back that's going to go in and destroy him. Now, he does have like literally Olympic speed, um, but I don't know. He kind of outdid him in like just about every uh, every stat. Now it was close, um, and and I will say that Spiller had more touches, but it was like 180 touches to 130 or something like that. So yeah, uh, and that was just my first point. You know, I, I really just I I don't know. He just wasn't exciting to me. You know. Yeah, and I think that's fair. Um, I don't like I said. I don't think there's anybody in this class that I'm really um, getting super excited about, um, but. To answer, to uh, I guess counterpoint the uh, question of the shared backfield, I think this is something that um, we kind of we kind of do this differently for prospects versus um, we do it for NFL running backs. When when your favorite prospect goes to the NFL and he's not being used as a pass catching back, like uh, I think of Antonio Gibson, a lot of people's darling, 
and he just wasn't getting pass catching work and everybody's like oh but if he ever got pass catching work then he'd be fantastic it's just a coach thing it's just a coach thing this is how they run their offense blah 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 but when it's in college we have Isaiah Spiller who by all accounts could have handled the workload but they've also got this other guy who's fantastic in his own right probably more of a a college running back than an NFL running back at 5'9 185 pounds but still fantastic for the level um and they're splitting time between them because it just seems like a good idea to the coach. But we we take that at the college level and we say, no, he should dominate touches if he's going to be good in the NFL. He should take away all that opportunity from the other guy. But in the NFL, we're like defending our guy because we've grown attached to them. So I feel <laughs> like we kind of we kind of um, uh, contradict ourselves with our takes on players between the NFL and college, where we expect our college prospects to absolutely dominate everyone that they go against which would be nice like that'd be awesome if every prospect could do that that'd be fantastic that's how you get your your elite players for sure um but then at the nfl level uh it's more coach's decision and we we just chalk it up to coach decision rather than the talent of the player especially at the running back position no, that's a great point. And I, you know, I see it a lot. You know, people ask me questions about Jameson Williams. Um, you know, even people that know a lot of, you know, about what they're talking about. And, uh, they, they still are just like, why couldn't he start at Ohio state or like, I mean, I guess technically started or he played, you know, he just, he wasn't a, a big uh, factor in Ohio state. And then of course he had to transfer over to Alabama. And is it a coaching decision? Is Was it, you know, was it, and that's why they're confused. Like, was it a coaching decision or, you know, was it just his, his play and everything? Um, so we can't always, we don't know what's going on in the coaches' minds. We don't know if they're saying he can't do it or anything like that. Um, so it, it's not a big knocker or anything. I wouldn't have him in my, in my top five if I, you know, if I didn't think that uh, he could be an NFL running back and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, it, it like I said, it, it, it's more narrative and in, in everything, but now I'm ready to, to get into the nitty gritty and, and get into the stats and, uh, and all that. Uh, I know you had kind of mentioned bringing some advanced metrics and things. Uh, you have anything for me? Oh, I want to hear yours first. You're probably going to touch on some stuff. Okay. So. All right. So, I mean, I, I'm going to try and make this as quick and as non-boring as possible. Um, but basically, I looked at a list of like the top running backs in the last three draft classes, including this one. Um, and so, you know, we end up with, in no particular orders, literally just the order I wrote them down in, Rashad White, Javante Williams, Travis Etienne, Najee Harris, Jonathan Taylor, J.K. Dobbins, DeAndre Swift, Brees Hall, C.H., Kenneth Walker, and Cam Akers. Literally just kind of picked like 12 running backs uh, out of the last, uh, you know, like the top-ish running backs. There's some that I probably missed, and, and uh, you know, but I just kind of wanted to look at like the top running backs. In with those running backs, Spiller ranked eighth of twelve and um, eighth of twelve running backs in yards created per touch, tenth in yards per reception, eleventh in scrimmage yards per touch, eleventh in PPR points per touch, twelfth in touchdowns per touch, twelfth in yards per carry over team average, eleventh in yards per route run. 11th in weight adjusted speed score, which we were talking about before, um, and 12th in burst score, uh, which is also very important in my model. Uh, burst score has, I kind of proven to me at least to be even more important than a 40 time or a weight adjusted speed score. Now I include both. Um, but I I've seen, like, I've seen some players like an Alvin Kamara that isn't necessarily like a speedy player have like, have that burst and be able to do things because of it. 
Um, even like a, a Javante Williams, I believe, has a higher burst, even though he's not a speedy, you know, uh, running back. So, uh, but one I thought was interesting because a lot of people will talk about Isaiah Spiller's ability to, you know, recep- get receptions and be like a three down back and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I guess you could take it with a grain of salt or, you know, whatever you want to do, but I haven't really done a lot of research on it. But when a QB was targeting, uh, Isaiah Spiller, he was the only player of the 12 that had a QB rating under 100 uh, when being targeted. And then you have guys like Rashad White, Etienne, Najee, Javante, JT, JK, Swift, and Brees all over 120 uh, for passer rating. And then even Kenneth Walker, who's talked about like as not being a receiving back and you know can't catch and all that kind of stuff, his QB uh, had a passer rating of 114.6 when he was being targeted. And... Uh, and then we have Spiller, who was a 97. He was the only one in that group that was under 100. And I just thought that was interesting because, you know, people have talked about how he can be this three down back and and uh, and, and everything. So I thought a lot of that was interesting, especially because he was at the, the bottom of the list for the majority of those stats. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's kind of an indication of where he is. I don't like... I'm not here to tell you that uh, Isaiah Spiller is going to be the next great thing. I don't think he's um, an RB1 for fantasy unless everything kind of breaks his way and he gets that kind of magical David Montgomery season we had a little while back where he faces all the best, all the worst defenses in the league for an eight-game stretch and gets 30 touches a game, which, I mean, it could happen, but it's definitely not something you're banking on when you're looking at taking Spiller in your rookie drafts here. Um I think the biggest thing for me with Spiller um, from the advanced side of things, and I'm actually curious if this is incorporated in your model, is that breakout age. The fact that um, Spiller came right in as an 18-year-old freshman and produced right off the hop. Uh, you can you can talk about how his production kind of flatlined, and a lot of that is due to a cane or a chain coming in and um, kind of splitting the work with them. But I am curious, does breakout age factor into the model at all and uh have you ever tested for that uh signal i don't with the with the running backs because a lot of times we'll see like you know look at like a Najee harris or, or you know somebody like that sure. and that's just one example but like look at those types of players or even a devin kane you know like he has an uh, nfl talent player ahead of him, and so you don't always get your shot to be like the full workhorse back as a running back, you know, you might be splitting carries. You might just not get on the field at all. Um, it, you know, and, and doing more work with the Debbie stuff, it, I'm actually really picking up on the fact that a lot of these guys don't hardly touch the ball in their first year. Like even the good ones. Yeah. Um, or if they do, you know, it, it's it could be minimal or it could be half of the workload that they get the next year and so on and so forth. Um, so I don't really freak out with breakout age, but I do have age in the model because I do think for running backs, especially age is pretty important. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's what that's where like Spiller does look good. He's young. Um, you know, one thing, and, and I don't want to just hate on the guy. Like one thing that uh, that does stand out is he does break a lot of tackles. Um, you know, and I keep going back to Javante Williams, but it's because they're kind of similar-ish players where you know, like they're not they're not that fast running back, but they break a lot of tackles. And, and those, like his age, the fact that he's probably going to get decent draft capital, and then the fact that he you know does uh, have a pretty good juke rate and all that kind of stuff, really does stand out. And, and that's you know half the reason why, uh, for me, he ends up being my my RB four in the class. And so you know I just I think there's just too much there 
to like hate on him, like I said, but you know, it's just I'm not overly excited about him either. You know, like he he ends up being in like there's similar scores in Beth, um, you know, with with players like Trey Sermon, Zach Moss, Ronald Jones, Miles Sanders is probably the best one, Naheem Hines, Deontay Foreman, Tevin Coleman, Niall Davis, and Ronnie Hillman. So you know, like that. It's not the best list in the world, but there's you know some decent guys in there that you know you can feel okay about. Um, and he might even have a little bit more because, like you said, Ronald Jones can't catch. Uh, you know, like uh, uh, even Miles Sanders hasn't necessarily proven to be uh, the the best running back, but you know, like he's he's also had his moments. And at some point, people were talking about him being like a top twelve running back in you know in dynasty or, or maybe even beyond that. So um, you know, definitely could at least have some excitement at some point. Yeah. Yeah, I think um I think it's interesting. Um I wonder if the breakout age if there might be something to um it's a really good thing if they break out early, but it's not necessarily a bad thing if they don't. Um for some of those situations, right? Um if they yeah. get the opportunity and they do hit, then that's obviously a good sign, I think. And if they don't get the opportunity and then they hit later, we shouldn't really ding them for that. So that's one thing I like. Um, you touched on a few other things I like. I like the uh, ability to break tackles. It's something that really shows up on tape for me. Uh, when I was doing my, when I was doing my uh, film evaluation, uh, the lateral agility. He's got a wicked jump cut and gets away from guys. He breaks tackles um, from all the best players in the SEC. I see Toronto Dave there. He loves early production. Yeah, he does. Everybody loves early production, and they should. Um, so yeah, I think uh, I think Spiller's got that tackle breaking ability, which for me is something that really sticks out uh, when watching film because I really ding guys who don't break tackles at the college level because I just figure there's no way they're going to break tackles at the next level, and at the next level you're going to get tackled a lot earlier and a lot more often than you're used to at the college level. Um, so Spiller being able to break tackles is a big deal for me. Um, just I think it's one of those things that looks good on tape and it looks good in the film room the day after the game and it's one of those things that keeps you on the field as well. So having you know that, that baseline, I guess, not exceptional uh, reception share, uh, but that baseline of pass-catching ability, uh, that should give us that, that kind of check mark, if not like a gold star. <laughs> um, <laughs> so there's just a lot of things for me that Spiller checks off um as a box and not to say that he aces them all with flying colors we're not talking about saquon here coming out um but for me i think he's a very adequate back and in the right situation with enough opportunity i think we're talking about a guy who can definitely be an rb2 and he's going to be 20 years old as and if he starts to produce at 20 years old then we all know what the dynasty community is looking for right now in terms of running backs. We're seeing everybody start to downgrade the 26-year-old guys, the Delvin Cooks, the Derrick Henrys, the Alvin Kamaras, all these guys who've been mainstays in our lineups for so long. Now they're starting to take that age hit in dynasty value, and we're all looking for that next thing. And you see it with guys like Antonio Gibson, who I referenced before. Uh, all it takes is one season where he shows some promise, and the dynasty community will absolutely elevate his value to untold heights. And I think that's <laughs> something that you could see with Spiller, where he could actually just be like a great value um, pickup if he kind of drifts towards the back end of the first round in rookie drafts. 
um, but he actually turns in a pretty solid season and then he gets overvalued by the community just because of that age. Yeah, and I think you brought up a great point about like a comping him or, you know, maybe not comping him, but just talking about like a David Montgomery type season. You know, he could definitely have that with the, you know, with the juke rate and with the, the tackle breaking ability that he has. Um, you know, it's going to take something like that. I think, I, I don't think he's ever going to have, you know, and I saw, like I said, he had the least or like the 11th uh, most touchdowns. Uh, so like, you know, second second to last, um, he didn't score a lot of touchdowns in college. You know, he didn't score a lot of receiving touchdowns. In fact, he scored the same amount of receiving touchdowns in his final year as uh, Kenneth Walker did, who barely caught the ball. So, yeah. you know, he, he like scoring touchdowns was not really his game. Um, and I don't know if it's going to be his game in the NFL, but if he can have that like perfect part of the season, you know, half the season or whatever, he can definitely gain value. Um and the thing for me is, even though I'm not the biggest fan, and I, for whatever reason, like this does not sound like a grudge match at all. I feel like I'm almost like defending him at this point. But mm-hmm. um, I, it's a pretty big drop off from him, and, it, and maybe it's because of draft capital at this point, like projected draft capital. But it's a pretty big drop off from him to the next guy for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, like it just, uh, you know, in that maybe that talks to the class. But then you have a huge grouping of players where I feel like, you know, they're all kind of. Like they're all kind of the same or very close. Yeah. Um, the only thing I would say is because he isn't that like overly exciting player and, and the receiving game didn't look all that great. I wonder if, you know, they might either bring him to a team that already has like a third, you know, like uh, give him to, uh, send him to the chargers and they have Austin Eckler, you know, as yep. the receiving back and, and Spiller, you know, as the one two. or there's so many third down backs in this draft where they draft Spiller and then two, three rounds later, they draft one of these other guys and they draft the James Cook or, you know, whoever. And yeah. all of a sudden he's the, he's the third down back. And so I think that's going to take away from the ceiling of the player, but you know, if they're giving him 200 touches or, you know, something around there, then he's still going to be a decent like RB two RB three kind of, you know, stash for you. Um, but that's where like, for me, it's it, like, once again, it's nothing to do with like hating the player. He's in my top five. I said, he's my RB four. Um, but I've, I've seen so many people talk about still drafting with like 106, 107, 108 even. And I, I can't get behind that. Like, you know, like, I don't think the ceiling's there. And I also, we don't know the floor yet. Now, maybe that could change in the draft capital and he gets just goes to an amazing team and you could say, okay, he could score some touchdowns. He could get 200 touches, whatever. But, you know, for now... I just I can't really see him in the first round. Like I, there's too many other guys that I really like. In fact, we we both have a a, a wide receiver that we like right there around the end of the first. So <laughs> I think mm-hmm. you know, like I I would much rather take those guys and let him fall to somebody else if that's what it's going to take. But once you get into the second round, I really have no issues taking him if you know these other guys that it, that I really do like, um, like that I would take at the end of the first. Some of them might are probably going to fall into the second round. Um, if they, if you, if they're already gone, then I have no problem taking them at that point. Mm-hmm. So as of right now, uh, I'll pose a question to you, which of the right, like, where's the line with the wide receivers? Like which wide receivers as of right now, do you think you would take, like, we're talking about Jahan Dotson, who we both love. You'd take Dotson over Spiller. Who else is in that category for you of guys that you'd take before Spiller? assuming that David Bell does still get third round draft capital. Cause I mean, like, even though I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm the guy that's talked about, like, I don't care about draft capital or whatever. There obviously becomes a point where it's like, you know, I'm, I'm not going to draft somebody in the early second if he's a fifth round pick, you know, like yeah. that kind of thing. So 
I, uh, as, assuming that he does get third round draft capital, I would take David Bell over him. Um, after that, you know, like I, I'm a big Trey McBride guy. I, I would take Trey McBride over him. Um, but you know, after that, it be, really gets into that tier. Like I'm talking about where it's just a bunch of guys that, that could be good and everything. And mm-hmm. I would probably end up taking uh, spiller at that point. Um, you know, I, I don't really, I'm not like in love with any of those players to where I'm like, I have to go get this one guy or, you know, or anything. I feel like, you know, there's going to be people that are going to fall in love with Christian Watson. There's going to be people that are already in love with Sky Moore and, and, and uh, so on and so forth. And like, that's just not me. Like, I, I'm fine if I get them. I'm, I'm fine having those players, but I don't have to go out of my way. I don't feel like I need to go out of my way to get those players. If they fall on my lap, great if they go a couple spots you know behind where i you know like where i would think they're gonna go that's perfectly fine i will take them but i'm definitely not you know people are talking about taking sky more you know at the end of the first like i'm once again i'm just i'm not doing it that's that's not yeah. me so <laughs> i'm uh like it's but it, they're all kind of in that same tier but i would probably put spiller at the top of that tier i guess sure yeah i think i was just looking at the the third round here there's a few teams obviously that could be in the market um, you got Houston, uh, the Jets at the top of the rounds. You've got uh, Atlanta has been another one that's been mocked a few times. Then you get into the later part of it. I've seen a few times uh, people mocking running backs to Arizona. Um, could obviously get some pass catching work there. Um, John taking the emotions out of it, just like Beth. <laughs> that's a good one, TD. <laughs> I'm a robot, baby. <laughs> Uh, I've even seen Tampa Bay uh, as a mock landing spot. Um, yeah. So I think Spiller is definitely one of these guys where you're really going to have to pay attention to the landing spot and you're really going to have to um, decide for yourself how much you like that landing spot and evaluate whether you think he's going to be able to take over that line share work because he is a guy um, who, for me, is going to need volume to be productive. Um, I'm definitely in that camp. I'm just kind of more leaning towards um, I think he is going to go to that spot because I think one of these teams that needs a guy like that and if they can get him in the third round um, somebody like Houston I think would be like hey in the third round we get this guy and we lock up our workhorse running back for the next four years and we're fine with that and then we'll do it all again um, in four years so I think something like that I could get behind where you know it probably wouldn't be super efficient in Houston they're probably not going to have a great offense but he's probably going to get 20 touches a game there and if he does then he's going to he's going to give you RB2 numbers I feel pretty confident about that just with the two or three receptions a game plus whatever he can get on the ground so uh, in that case, um, I'd be pretty comfortable if, say, let's just say he goes to Houston um, in mm-hmm. the third round. I'd be pretty comfortable um, taking Spiller in the first round. Um, I'd probably be, it'd probably be like a conversation um, between him and Dotson for me. Uh, obviously, depending where Dotson goes. If Dotson goes to like Green Bay or Kansas City <laughs> in the first round, then I'm probably all over Dotson. But, um, so he'd probably be falling into that that kind of range for me that tier I guess you could say and then obviously wherever the quarterbacks end up going and uh, how high that'll obviously throw a bunch of this <laughs> throw a bunch of uh, wrenches into our plans here as well yeah we got Meme uh, asking what if Spiller goes to Denver uh, I- I'm guessing that's that's a friend of yours or at least somebody that knows that you are a Broncos fan <laughs> Yeah, if he goes to Denver, he can he can join the the trio there, I guess. Javante and Melvin Gordon re-signing, and <laughs> and we could get Spiller. And 
I don't know what that would look like. I can't imagine uh, that Denver's actually going to do that. I saw actually Denver had a couple visits with Isaiah Pacheco, so you can uh, you can tell what kind of running backs they've been looking at in the draft here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he says it's Nubs. It looked like Nubs, but with the mask and everything, I was like, uh, I'm just going to act like I don't know who this is. But <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I mean, I, I really don't think that, you know, that they're, Denver's going to take him. I mean, he was probably saying it as a joke anyway, but I, I do, like, I, I mean, it is interesting that, you know, if, if Melvin Gordon is just a one-year replacement or, you know, fill-in or whatever, I guess it's possible they could draft uh, somebody to take his spot. But I don't think it would be third-round uh, draft capital invested yeah. at that point. It'd probably be fourth, fifth, you know, sixth even. Uh, so I'm not too worried about that. But so so you have him there at the, at the end of the first. Now you had talked about how you know, he was your RB2 in the class after, you know, like you started factoring in draft capital and, and things like that. Uh, what is it about the the other two main guys, if you will, in uh, Kenneth Walker and Rashad White that uh, you know you're just like I can't put them over uh, this guy that's slow and and doesn't have burst and and uh, you know is, you know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so Kenneth Walker first because I think that's the most controversial one. Um, I like Kenneth Walker a lot. Um, I like his tape a lot. He's a great runner. Um, I think he's got. I've said multiple times um, that I think he has the most pure upside in the class. Like if he were to get uh, somehow get four or five receptions uh, a game or something crazy like that, like his upside to me as a prospect would be the RB1 for Dynasty. Like I think he's a terrific runner and he's showed off the speed. He's got the good size. He's got everything that I want to see. Um, but he's never shown us that reception upside. So then you're looking at an upside more like a Nick Chubb or something in an absolute best case scenario um, for Kenneth Walker. And if that's his absolute best case scenario, um, then it's not actually all that different from what I'm expecting out of Spiller. Um, but I think Spiller's just uh, a lot more safe in my eyes. I think he's going to get viewed as more than just a first and second down runner. Um, and I'm not convinced about that with Walker. So that's kind of the concerns. They're definitely a tier together for me, uh, those two. Um, so um, I could be convinced based on landing spot to have Walker ahead of Spiller, and um, it wouldn't be that big of a deal to me. Um, for Rashad White, um, I think he's a really interesting player. Um, he does show off great hands, real receiving ability, ran real routes out of the backfield. The problem that I have with him is he he seemed a little bit um, um, kind of hesitant. I didn't uh, agree with his decision-making a lot of times as a runner. Didn't like his ability between the tackles a whole lot. Um, he runs kind of upright. I don't think he's going to break a lot of tackles, and I mentioned before that's something that I do look for a lot. Um, I don't think he's going to be an exceptional tackle breaker uh, at the NFL level. He gets stonewalled a lot. Like, you don't like to see guys who just get, like, stood up and drop back as running backs. You want your running backs to be able to churn through guys and fall forward, which Spiller does a lot, and Rashad White uh, just frankly doesn't. <laughs> um, I've so, heard a lot about his, like, upright play style and, and things like that. Um, you know, obviously, I... Uh, the the film talk just makes me fall asleep you know just like, <laughs> uh, so so i you know I, I i've never actually listened to it but you know i have heard it on pods uh, and then when i wake up i'm like oh yeah I'm not, never mind he, let me go look at these numbers again
again. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I know obviously like there's some things going against Rashad. Uh, the age, you know, 23 years old compared to 20 for uh, for Spiller and and for Brees, and then you know just the fact that it, it took so long for him to actually break out. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm definitely giving him a break there. Like I feel like especially with running backs, it's like once you do it. I'm good. You know, like, I don't really care. Even, even with Spiller, like he, he technically had a better year, not even technically, he had a better year in his second year than he did in his third year. Um, Mm -hmm. and it was mostly because of a cane, but I think that I don't really care necessarily that he, you know, that he didn't do it again in his third year or that he got worse in his third year or anything. We saw what he could do in his second year. And to me, that shows that he can do it, and, and that's all I really care about with the running backs. Obviously, with wide receivers, it's completely different. Like, if you fall off in your third year, then I start freaking out because I'm like, well, what happened? You know, mm-hmm. did was somebody just that much better than you? You know, like, you know, why did you? Or you know, was it injury related? Like, obviously, you can put context to it, but the, Chris with the running backs. Question. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, like with with the Lave, you know, and I really have gone back and forth with him. Uh, and this is a running back pod, but yeah, with with Olave, like I, I think he never really dropped off. He just didn't necessarily get better, and so yeah. you know, like it, it doesn't bother me as much as like you know, I've looked a lot at the players that have fallen off in the past um, in their third year for wide receivers, like a Juju, and I've seen that it actually does seem to affect like those guys don't hit as much. And obviously Juju hit, but then he's, you know, substantially fallen off since then. He kind of did the same thing that he did in college, but yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it's funny. So I do think there's something there, but I also don't think that Alave actually ever fell off. He just there was really good guys around him, so he just kind of kept doing the same shit. You know? Uh but as far as the again back to the running backs, uh Obviously, you were talking about how you would be fine with Spiller there at the end, and obviously, if he is your RB two, then you're talking about Kenneth Walker and Rashad White like outside of the first round, right? I mean, obviously, um, landing spot dependent and all that kind of yeah. stuff. But uh, yeah, I think you know, Walker, as as of right now, yeah, I think Walker uh, being in that same tier as Spiller for me, they would be in the they would be in, he would be in the first round for me for sure at this point. Um, I mean, obviously, still pending. Uh, Got to give that caveat every time pending everything with the. With the wide receivers, there could be some guys who jump up for me. Um, But I think Kenneth Walker and Isaiah Spiller, for me, will both be in the first round, uh, most likely, the way things are shaking out uh, pretty comfortably. And then um, Rashad White, for me, I think is probably going to fall out. Um, I I did see that he had four separate visits with the Buffalo Bills, um, which would just get everybody... Uh, super hot and bothered if that ended up being the landing spot. <laughs> so I, I'd be interested to see how the uh, how the dynasty Twitter community would react to Rashad White to the Buffalo Bills. But um, I'm I'm pretty confident that uh, when all the dust settles, I'll have Rashad White uh, in my um, probably two o three, two o four, two o five range. Um, unless is that like um, the was that like the worst possible landing spot for him i mean obviously like great team great offense yeah. and all that kind of stuff but like the best receiving back in in this draft goes to the team that never throws never to the throws running backs back. like, <laughs> i don't know and everybody would still love it because it's buffalo and they think they need a running back <laughs> yeah toronto like, says he'd be the 101 and i mean yeah. and, and i think there would be some people that would overreact like that and and throw him up there maybe not 101 you know but like 104 105 you know something like that i could definitely see it but you know just as soon as you said it and i haven't really been paying attention to that like i've heard some breeze talk to you know to there i've even heard some spiller talk there and and stuff like that um but 
and obviously other plenty of other guys. But I, I don't, I haven't really heard too much Rashad. But as soon as you said it, I'm like, ew, like I don't think it's gonna be, I don't think that's gonna fit, you know, his his style. And especially like if you're saying, I mean, I was he's still like he's he was still a good running back, yep. but he wasn't quite the running back that some of these other guys were. You know, it was yeah. definitely more the receiving game. Yeah. And that's why, like, I mean, he shows up pretty well in in Beth, but it's because he caught so many damn balls, you know, yeah. and that definitely uh, stands out. So I just don't, I don't think it would match very well there. Yeah, yeah, I think that would be kind of a weird fit. So it was pretty interesting to me that he had all those visits, but uh, I do think that Twitter would absolutely love it. I think they'd throw him up there right away. And like, it's such a weird spot too, because <laughs> like Josh Allen's going to take all those touchdowns too on the ground. So it's not like there's going to be much left there. Yeah. If he's not getting passing work and he's not scoring touchdowns on the ground, like what's going to be left for him? I don't know. He's going to be Devin Singletary. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, um, all right, so like I said, you know, it's basically those top four for me. I think that's pretty obvious. Now you have some crazy people on Twitter, believe it or not, um, <laughs> that you know, like don't have those at their, as their top four, and they throw in some random person and say Brian Robinson's number two or you know whatever. Um, but I think, generally speaking, the consensus would would have those as the top four running backs in some particular order. But like I said, after that, you start getting into like a pretty big tier of like. RB3s that could be something and you know like third down backs that could be something if the starter gets hurt and, and things like that but uh, we don't have to go over all of them but are there any of those in the, in those in that like what fourth tier whatever you want to call it uh, that kind of stand out for you yeah Brian Robinson um, I would have interest totally depending on landing spot um, just because um, he does have uh, the pass catching work in his profile um, I think that Brian Robinson is probably the guy that Pete Carroll throws on highlights of to go to sleep to every night. Um, so I think there's probably a few coaches around the league where uh, they are just drooling over the idea of having um, who they probably view as the next Derrick Henry, but we all know he's not. Um, <laughs> so I think Brian Robinson is a guy who could get elevated. I think he's actually probably got a pretty good shot of third round draft capital um, just because he's huge and he ran a four five uh, at the combine. <laughs> so um, if he does go somewhere where there's a path to uh, significant touches and actual receiving work as well, even if it's just dump off work, um, it's all good for good for running backs in PPR leagues. So um, I think Brian Robinson at least has the best shot to be a guy uh, from that, that group there. Yeah, I agree. I I was pretty low on Robinson in the beginning. Um, you know, I, I was kind of struggling with what to do with uh, with super seniors. You know, the fifth year running backs and everything. Mm-hmm. And I kind of went back and forth on like how to treat them uh, this whole like during the off season. And so I just I kind of I had them pretty low. And then I started to start, like looking more into uh, past super seniors and you know look at. Uh, look at things like Najee Harris and, and, you know, like in Alabama, we see that they don't produce as, as early or as quickly because they're just constantly churning out these running backs. Mm-hmm. And so like, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to hold them up to like a higher standard just because it's Alabama. But at the same time, like I don't want to discount him too much just because he was a fifth year guy because he had a guy like Najee Harris in front of him. He had, you know, he had these other running backs in front of him before that. 
And so it, it's it's pretty easy to see why he couldn't get on the field or get on the field as much, just like I was talking about earlier with you know some of these other players. So uh, you know I've definitely moved him up, and and I do have him projected for third round draft capital, albeit, albeit late. Um, so like it, you know not early to where you'd be like overly excited about. It. But I mean late third round is is a better team, so it might actually be better. Yeah. Who knows? But um, so. I can. I'm definitely there with you, but I, you know, I think there's some other guys in there that are a little more exciting. Like, uh, like I don't know how you feel about like a Tyler Baddy or, um, you know, or even like a James Cook. I know like some people are hot, some people are cold with him. Uh, like I, I kind of feel like I mean, like once again, they're all kind of in the same tier, but it's, uh, yeah, it's gonna probably, like, or I wouldn't say probably, like it's going to boil down to where they land and, and how I feel about them because when they're that close, it's like, give me the landing spot, give me the draft capital, that kind of thing. Uh, but how do you feel about a couple of those guys? Yeah, there's a few names kind of in the third and fourth rounds of your rookie drafts that I'm going to be interested in. Uh, Tyler Beatty's one uh, that I'm definitely interested in. Uh, the big knock, obviously, the size, five foot eight, 197 pounds. Um, it's definitely not ideal um he does kind of for me like a insane ceiling comp would be austin eckler if like everything happened perfectly for him um eckler's got kind of the same same general build he i looked into it he weighed similarly as well coming out um not a lot of hype obviously with eckler coming out so in an absolutely perfect world um that's what Beatty could be i think he's got a tremendous amount of burst, probably the best um, off-the-line burst uh, in the class for me, um, which you kind of need to if you're if you're that small. Otherwise, you'll just get smaller right. up. Um, and he had, like, decent contact balance. Like, he is small, and he does get uh, tackled by guys who can get a hand on him and start slowing him down and dragging him down. Um, but he has pretty solid con- contact balance for a guy that's small, too. Um, so that's a guy who I l- at least think has some potential upside and he had a huge uh receiving share this past year uh in the sec um had a huge year 1600 rushing yards as well um so definitely somebody who balled out this year in the sec the only knock really is the size and whether uh he's really going to get a a fair shot because of that um so that's a guy i'm interested in um james cook is not really somebody i'm all that interested in i do think he's a great receiver um, I also think he uh, does not have a ton of contact balance or ability to move a pile or anything like that. Again, undersized back, under 200 pounds. Um, I think he probably gets knocked over by the first guy who looks at him funny at the NFL level. Um, so he's probably going to profile as a strict third down option for me. Um, maybe J.D. McKissick, if if things go right for him, maybe he can be that kind of player. Um, could have some value, obviously, especially in PPR leagues. Um, and then the other guy that I'm actually uh, somewhat interested in later on, and I'll probably be taking a few shots on, is Keontae Ingram um, out of USC. Was at Texas, transferred out of there when he saw B. John Robinson coming, and he was like, I'm not competing with that guy. <laughs> so right. he got out That's of there. That's what he could would. Yeah. <laughs> He got out of the way there, but six foot, 221 pounds, has that prototypical size. Really thought his vision stood out on tape. Uh, he's got a little bit of burst. He's got a little bit of receiving ability. He pass protects a little bit. Like he does everything adequately. So I kind of feel like he's one of these guys who, uh, if the if he gets into a spot where he's behind an entrenched starter, 
um, then he could come in and actually have a really nice uh, season if the starter were to go down. And then he could really gain value for you based on where you're going to have to take him in the late third or even late fourth. I've seen him in some mocks. So Keontae Ingram's another one that I'm interested in, in taking in the back half of my rookie drafts. Yeah, and I think you know we could list off another you know handful of names or, or even more than that. Um, but I think one thing that doesn't really get touched on very often, or at least I haven't heard it, and I listen to a lot of podcasts. <laughs> so <laughs> if I haven't heard it, it's probably not being talked about much. But it's like everyone has a different guy in this tier or even a tier below or whatever that they love. And, you know, we could, like I said, we could list off so many different names, but no one ever talks about the fact that if all these guys are getting drafted in the third, fourth, fifth rounds, then like they're going to all these different teams. It's going to start affecting other running backs and running backs mm-hmm. that we love. And, and we're talking about already. And I'm not saying it's going to kill all these running backs or anything else, but I do think that there's a very good chance that a lot of these guys could get a Javante Williams type hit that he just took, you know, when Mel Govery signed. Um, yep. And, you know, no, most people aren't saying, oh, Javante Williams is dead, you know, or anything like that. But they're like, oh, he was my RB2 and now he's my RB7. Well, you know, what if we go with the guy like, like an Eckler, you know, and we say, okay, he, he was my RB10 and now he's my you know, RB16 or 17 or whatever, you know, and so and we can say it about so many different players. Elijah Mitchell, um, I think there's a very good chance that they draft, especially with Debo, the whole Debo fiasco, yep. that they're going to draft another running back because he, he told them, trade me, I don't want to play for you, so on and so forth, and they've said, we're not trading you. Well, that's fine. They have his rights, you know, they can hold him, they can do whatever. And maybe they say, hey, we're not going to use you as a running back and maybe things get better. But regardless, he's not going to be used as a running back whether he's on the team or, or, or not. Mm-hmm. Um, so if that's the case, then they're going to draft somebody else or they're going to start using Trey Sermon or both. You know, yeah. who knows? So yeah. I, I, I don't really feel like it gets touched on enough that like I feel like a lot of shit's going to change <laughs> here in the next couple of days. And, uh, you know, I'm not even saying it's a necessarily a bad thing. You know, it, it's going to be fun. It's probably going to cause more trades in your leagues and, and people are going to start freaking out and everything. Uh, so I could definitely see it being a good thing overall. But uh, shit's about to go down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I do think there's a lot of a lot of guys in these later rounds, these late tiers. Like there, we could we could very conceivably see like twenty some odd running backs get drafted, and just unceremoniously boot out all the veterans that were in front of them. And then, depending on the capital, like if they start getting crept up into that third round, then they could really uh, kind of put some pressure on the dynasty value of the guys ahead of them for sure. Yeah, and I mean, I think even if it, like I said, even if it's not today or tomorrow or even you know midseason, you know, at the end of the year, if they start getting you know, a few more touches and things, it's you're gonna start talking about, you know, is is Dalvin Cook just dead now? You know, like right. is, is his value dead? You know, like these older running backs, is Alvin Kamara washed at this point because? you know, blah, 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 you know, Brian Robinson or whoever, you know, took his spot or took his job. And, uh, and so I I do think that that's going to be something we really need to pay attention to. Like out of all, out of all the players that get picked out out of all these running backs that get picked, you know, we need to see the ones that are the most likely to hit and then start thinking about what we need to do with any other running backs that are on those squads. Um, and I, I think that'll be fun and it'll make for a lot of good content and we can go over all that kind of stuff. But, uh, like I said, I just think it's something that's, hasn't really been talked about too much (laughs) yeah yeah i think that's a really good point it'll definitely be interesting can't wait for this draft here we've been talking about it for so long 
feels like it's taken forever to get here, but we're finally here. I know. Like I said, I watched draft day earlier today. You know, it's just, it, it's here, the excitement. And uh, I can't wait for, cause it, I don't think any of it's going to go the way that we expect it to. I mean, even the, the top, the best analysts, the best, you know, like the guys that are entrenched in there in, in the NFL, like they have no idea. They can't yeah. agree. So how the hell are we supposed to know? Um, so I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I cannot wait for tomorrow night. I'll be doing a couple pods and, and stuff. Um, uh, throughout the the draft and and just going over what the hell's going on with all the craziness but i didn't really touch on uh on you nate when we first started just kind of uh, jumped right in i've had you on the pod before but uh it was like a group setting with a, a rookie mock so you know probably didn't get too much into detail but uh you know go ahead and tell me you know w- what you're doing where you're from and and uh what you got going on yeah so i'm the lead dynasty writer for jwb fantasy football um, you can find everything JWB at jwbfantasyfootball.com. And uh, there's a Twitter account for the JWB team as well, JWB underscore FF. So you can find everything that that team's doing uh, over there. Um, for myself, I've been putting out my rookie rankings, my pre-draft rookie rankings by position. Um, so I've got everything out there for everybody to ridicule. They can all make fun of me as much as they want. Um, so we'll see how that changes in the next few days here. But that's that's what's available for content for me out there right now. That's awesome. Uh, so in conclusion, do not draft uh, Isaiah Spiller in the first round like we've been saying all, uh, all pod long. <laughs> <laughs> No, like I say, it'll be interesting to see where he lands and, and what kind of capital he gets. Um, and then, you know, we'll, we'll be able to see, I think, unlike the Malik Willis grudge match where I was saying draft him at like the end of the first and uh, Nelly was saying to draft him at 101. Like, I feel like we're a lot closer here, you know, where I'm saying like, I, I could see like early to mid second and you're saying the end of the first. So like, we're not that far off. So it's really more, uh, like I said, it, it's really more like landing spot and, and draft capital dependent, but we just got to, at this point, we just have to wait 24, 48 hours, and we'll finally know. But I appreciate you jumping on the pod. Uh, it was a lot of fun going over Isaiah Spiller. And, uh, you know, I didn't really know what the hell to talk about if I was even going to put out a pod the day before the draft. But, you know, here we are. We got it done. We talked some rookie running backs, and now we'll get to find out uh, what else is going on. But, like I said, appreciate you coming on. But for now, we're going to go ahead and get out of here. We're going to cash out. See you guys. Mm-hmm.